This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm an emergency critical care specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to be interviewing Dr. Ruth McPeak, the pet vet. We'll be right back after these messages. Listeners, I'd love to introduce you to PetPlate.com. They deliver freshly cooked human-grade dog food right to your door. I've been feeding Pet Plate to my pup for the last two weeks, and it's perfect for my picky pup and perfect for me since I'm so busy. So if you want something super healthy, really tasty, and ready to serve, go to PetPlate.com forward slash spot to get 30% off your first box. P-E-T-P-L-A-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. We're super excited to have Dr. Ruth McPeat, one of my dear friends and veterinary colleagues on Pet Life Radio. Dr. McPeat, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. So I know you from doing veterinary pilots and from social media and love working with you and just wanted to introduce you to all our guests on ER Vet and was wondering if you could tell us a little bit of your background, where you went to veterinary school, what you do on a day-to-day basis, and we'll talk a little bit more about your book later, but I want to know everything we need to know about you. Well, thanks for having me, Justine. Um, Yes, we met doing a pilot. I went to veterinary school. I went to undergrad at University of California, Berkeley, and then I went to vet school in Illinois, where I'm originally from. Went back to my home state and went there for veterinary school. And then after veterinary school, I started doing right away a mix of private practice and shelter medicine. And just really fell in love with uh, shelter medicine. I loved working in shelters, still do. I love being able to help animals find homes. And kind of from there, I think you know this, but from there, that was where I kind of started getting into media and writing because I really wanted to reach people and educate people. I saw so many pets in shelters for reasons that I thought that could be helped if people understood more better ways to choose the right pet and also care for their pet that they wouldn't return them to shelters. So I worked for years in shelter medicine, still do part-time. And I also work part-time in private practice at a clinic because I still love working with people and their humans. I love seeing the human animal bond, love seeing pets grow from babies to adults and working with people with, you know, their beloved companions. So I still do that. I still do writing and blogging and media as well. Now, having been a shelter veterinarian for so long, what are some of the most common mistakes you see pet owners making when it comes to potentially adopting a new cat from a shelter or even returning a pet to a shelter? 
Well, I think they, you know, one of the biggest things I see is right off the bat is choosing a pet. I think it's really important that people look at themselves and their family and make sure that they're ready, that this is a good time for them to be adopting a pet, that they're not going to be traveling, that they have time to spend to the new animal and that they choose the pet wisely. So whether it's a cat or a dog, they make sure, or even a guinea pig, they make sure that it's the right animal for their family. Once you know whether that's a cat or a dog, then you really need to, especially in the case of a dog, you need to really hone down what type of dog is going to be best for your family. So making sure that if you're a pet parent that is not going to want to groom your dog, that you don't get a long haired dog that needs to be groomed. Making sure that if you're a person that wants to run with your dog daily, you don't get a bulldog. So there's just certain things that people need to know about and think about the type of dog you're getting and what type of lifestyle you have. What you want the pet for? Do you want a dog to hike with or run with? Do you want a dog that's going to sit on the couch with you? Are you better um, suited for a cat? Is a cat going to be your best companion? And if so, then you need to make sure that your house is ready and that you're ready for that cat and you give it the best possible start. Now, before we talk about some hints on how to cat proof, if you're getting your house ready for a cat, I did want to talk about a couple of things. I'm often asked as a veterinarian, and I'm sure this happens to you all the time. It's a shelter vet. What kind of dog should I get? Should I get a purebred or should I rescue a dog from a shelter? And can you give some pros and cons in terms of does it make a difference at all? Great question, Justine. Yeah, I get asked that a lot too. I mean, one of the things that people are always surprised about is that you can find a purebred dog in the shelter. We see that all the time. So I don't think it's wrong for people to have their heart set on a specific breed. That's okay. If people really want a Scottish Terrier or they really want a Labrador, you can find those in a shelter and you can find those in a rescue. So the first thing I always tell people is, you know, look to adopt or rescue. There are so many wonderful animals that need homes that you really want to look at those places first. It's a great opportunity for you to get an amazing dog. It's a great opportunity for this dog. And, you know, at the, the bottom line is it's also cheaper than getting it from a pet store or from a breeder. And it's the right thing to do. Ethically, I just really believe in, you know, helping all the pets that are in shelters and rescues get a home. So again, I always tell people, you know, if you have something in mind, don't rule out a shelter because you can find them. We see all kinds of purebreds all the time. Um, speaking of cats, some of the very exotic cats that you would think would never be in a shelter. I've seen three Devon Rexes in the shelter recently. We've seen Sphinxes, which are the hairless cats, which again, these are pretty rare cats in the general population. So they do come into shelters. And the other thing I always tell people is that they don't come into shelters because they have problems. A lot of people think that every animal in a shelter is a problem animal, that it has some behavioral issue. And that is definitely not the case. A lot of times animals come in the shelter because there's a death in the family. So with some of these purebred cats, there was an elderly person who passed away and these animals were given to the shelter to find a home for them. So absolutely nothing wrong with them. They were wonderful cats. 
So that happens. Sometimes people move. We have military families that will move and can't take the pet. We have a situation where there's an allergy, a kid is allergic to the pet, or the pet just didn't work out in the family. It had too much energy level. Or it's kind of like what I told you in the beginning that somebody just picked the wrong dog. They picked a dog that needed to be groomed all the time or needed to go on runs all the time and the family wasn't equipped to do that. And so it wasn't the right dog for that family, but it might be the perfect dog for your family. Fantastic information. I feel the same way. When in doubt, I always say, if you have that opportunity to adopt a pet, you're really saving a life. So I love the logo that I've seen floating around on social media, don't breed or buy when animals die. And so it sounds extremist, but there are so many animals that are looking for homes. And you can find, like you said, purebred cats and dogs in animal shelters. So great information. And of course, the mixes, I, you know, I don't mean to leave the mixes out, but you and I both know as veterinarians, sometimes a mixed dog is much healthier genetically. So definitely don't roll those out. You get some of the cutest mixes ever. So lots of different mixes. And now there's DNA testing to even find out what your pet is. I actually did that DNA test on my own dog who I rescued. He was a pit bull mix and we knew he had some kind of working dog and we ended up doing a DNA test and it turns out he has part Australian shepherd. And so I actually got a lot of information from being able to know that. So it was very helpful. Now, I did want to talk to you about cats. When it comes to cats, how do we pet-proof our house? Now, if someone's never had a cat before, it's been a long time since they've had a cat, what are some simple ways that they can prevent accidental poisonings or accidental foreign body ingestions? And again, this is especially important if you have a really active kitten that you're about to adopt. A great question, because I know it's something that I see a lot. And I'm sure you as an emergency vet, you see a lot of pets that get into trouble at home. I think people think that their home is safe. We in general think about our home as being a safe place. But as you mentioned, it can be full of a lot of unknown dangers to our pets. And especially with kittens and puppies, it's really important that people recognize the potential dangers and take measures to pet proof their house. The first thing, I mean, you can kind of go room by room in your house or you can think of big categories. One of the big things, obviously big categories is food. Your pet is going to be exposed to a lot of different food. And remember, cats can jump on counters and get on tables. So it's really important that people don't leave food out that can be dangerous for their pet. Most people obviously know that chocolate is toxic to pets, but a lot of people don't know that there are other things that are poisonous as well. So in addition to chocolate, obviously people need to know that grapes and raisins are highly toxic as well. And so this is something that you want to make sure you're not dropping. If you have kids that they're not dropping a grape on the floor, that they're not giving it to their cat or their dog because these are toxic. You want to make sure that you're not cooking chicken and leaving chicken bones on the table or on the counter before you clear your plate, because bones are obviously a huge danger. Chicken bones in particular can splinter and get stuck in your cat's throat. So you want to be careful with those and make sure that you're not 
leaving stuff around that a cat can jump on the counter and eat. Same thing with fish bones as well. I know my cat has, when we're eating salmon, has definitely jumped on the on the table a time or two trying to steal some salmon. So you just need to be really careful with that with cats. Obviously, there's a number of other things that are alert, you know, that are dangerous to pets. You know, just briefly, chocolate, coffee, grapes, onions, macadamia nuts, alcohol. Obviously, you don't want to give alcohol to your pets, avocados, and again, you know, watching out for bones all the time. So that's the first thing is always being mindful about food and knowing that your pets can get into food, especially cats, because they can get on the counter and get on the table. The second thing I tell people is watch out for chemicals in your house. And in particular, cats, as you know, are fastidious groomers. So if you clean your floor and you have a cleaner on your floor and it's wet, you have to remember that if your cat walks on that, they are going to lick their paws. So they're ingesting whatever has been put on your floor. So it's really important that if people are cleaning their house, their tables or their floors, that they put their cats away until that dries and they make sure that they're not walking on those surfaces where they could be exposed to a toxic chemical. In addition, obviously, you don't want to leave chemicals around that an animal can drink. One of the chemicals that are very, very dangerous, antifreeze, is incredibly dangerous and can be lethal to pets. So it's very important that people don't have antifreeze left around, that they're not letting their cats get into their garage where they may have antifreeze. That's something that, again, you just want to make sure it's always closed and put away. It's dangerous to children as well. So make sure all chemicals are out of reach. You also want to watch out for rodenticides and insecticides, any of these things that are used to you know, kill insects or rodents can be deadly to our pets as well. So make sure all of that stuff is out of reach of cat paws and cat mouths, that that is not anywhere that they can chew on or get a hold of. And then detergents as well, any kind of detergents, laundry detergents, anything like that. It's really ideal to keep your cat out of the garage because that's where many people store chemicals and have things like antifreeze or other oil for their car or anything like that. It's best to just keep them out of there because that tends to be a dangerous area. And then just always make sure that you're aware of of those chemicals. The next big category that I think about are foreign bodies. And this is one that a lot of people don't think about, but cats actually like linear objects. And so they're drawn to string. That's why we like to play with them with that. But strings and ribbons and dental floss can be deadly to our pets. Specifically, if a kitten or a cat chews on dental floss and swallows that, what happens is that can get stuck in their intestinal tract and cause a linear foreign body that has to be surgically removed or it will cause an obstruction and the pet can die. So really, really important that people take their floss and make sure it ends up in a closed garbage can, that they're not kind of throwing it in the trash where the string is hanging over the edge of the trash, because that can be really dangerous to our pets. And it's going to be something that they're attracted to because of the fact that it's a string. Same thing with ribbons. You want to watch out for ribbons. And if somebody knits, you want to make sure that your yarn and all that string is put away so that the cat doesn't have an opportunity to eat that and chew that. If you have little kids, again, watch out for anything that's kind of linear. They tend to be, cats tend to be attracted more to linear objects, but they can also, like dogs, eat toys and balls as well. But definitely that's more common with dogs. 
The other category I think about are plants. There's a number of different plants, household plants that can be deadly and toxic to our pets. And cats in particular like to chew on plants and they can, again, get on counters and shelves where they can get a hold of these plants. So it's really important that people make sure they're not bringing a plant or flowers into the house that could be toxic to their pet. One plant I want to mention in particular because it happens so commonly are lilies. Lilies, unfortunately, we see a lot of around Easter time, but they're also very common in bouquets. And so I just recently had a patient that has a one-year-old cat that the owner around the 4th of July got a bouquet of flowers that had a lily in it. She saw the lily, recognized that it was a lily, but put it up high and forgot about it. And when it started to dry out, the lily actually shed little leaves. And so parts of the leaves came down the drying leaves and fell on the floor. And then she noticed the cat chewing on them. And this is, again, highly toxic and can be fatal to cats. So it's really important that people just don't bring lilies in your house. Whenever I get a bouquet of flowers, I'm lucky enough to get flowers. I take those lilies out right away and throw them away because it's just not worth it. And things can happen like they can dry out, even if a cat can't get it and fall on the floor. So it's really, really important to just get rid of lilies. Don't bring them in the house if you have cats. There are other, obviously poisonous plants as well. I always recommend people, if you have plants in your house or you're bringing them in, check the ASPCA's website. They have a list of poisonous plants. That's a really great resource that people can look at. The other thing I recommend people watch out for are human and animal medications. So be very careful because pets can actually get a hold of medications. If you're leaving pills out or if you drop a, you know, a pill, some of your medication on the floor, an animal can eat that. I also just had a client whose husband takes Tylenol and leaves the Tylenol by the side of the bed so that apparently when he wakes up, he can take a Tylenol if he's uncomfortable and needs it. And his cat actually ate one of the adult strength Tylenol and went into kidney failure. So just again, a reminder to make sure that you watch out for your own medications and any pet medications you have. Make sure they're in childproof containers, that they're sealed away, that you don't drop them on the floor, or if you do, that you pick them up right away because they can be dangerous. And the last category I think about is injuries. We want to make sure that all of our windows, ideally, especially if they're on a second story, have coverings on them, that you have screens on all the windows so that a pet can't fall out. If a pet is on a balcony, ideally you want to make sure that that's a protected balcony or you're out there with them. Because sadly, and I know you know this, Justine, but as an ER vet, we see a lot of pets that fall and we see what's called high-rise syndrome, where a cat will jump off a balcony or fall from a second story. And Sometimes, you know, a lot of times they'll live, but they can actually break their jaw and have a number of different injuries, pneumothorax, and then some of them unfortunately die depending on how far they fall. So it's really important that people, just like a child, make sure that they're protecting their pet from falling out of a window, jumping off a balcony, and also watching out for appliances. 
it's important that you don't leave your washer and dryer open. A cat can go in there to sleep because it's warm and you might not notice and start the dryer. So be careful that your pets are not in any appliances before you start them. And then the last thing is just watch out for electrical cords. Pets can chew on those, especially kittens. So be really careful with electrical cords. There are guards you can get to put over them so that the cat can't chew them. Or you can use a spray lightly called bitter apple and just spray the cord lightly so that it's a taste deterrent. But really keep an eye on those cords and make sure a pet's not chewing on them because they can get electrocuted. And that's really the main thing. Again, there's great information on the web. ASPCA has stuff about household dangers and again about plants. So I always recommend people check that as well. Fantastic information. Thank you so much. So I always say as an ER vet, do exactly what Dr. Ruth McPeat just mentioned. So (laughs) we don't even think about dental floss with cats, but remember they love those stringy things. And this is especially important during the holidays because we want to make sure that tinsel isn't hanging around. So tinsel, ribbon, yarn, dental floss, huge no-no in a cat household. Again, make sure to keep all those poisons out of reach. I always say keep your cat indoors if you're okay with it because we see so much more trauma or poisoning in cats that go indoor outdoor and again the general rule is keep things in elevated cabinets out of reach to keep your pets safe now let's take a short break and we'll continue with this really important topic and our interview with dr ruth mcpete right after these messages from our sponsors We'd like to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Pretty Litter. A bag of Pretty Litter weighs four pounds, and it's really lightweight. Most litter weighs between 20 to 40 pounds. It's also long-lasting. One bag of Pretty Litter lasts an entire month for one cat. It's also got built-in health monitoring. It keeps tabs on your cat's health by changing color if it detects potential health issues. For example, Pretty Litter may turn green or blue if it notices a high urinary pH, which can lead to bladder crystals and stone formation. If Pretty Litter turns purple or red, it may indicate that there's blood in there. And this can oftentimes be a sign of bladder stones, crystals, bladder inflammation, or even a urinary tract infection. If you notice an unusual color, when in doubt, Consult with your veterinarian to find out what's going on. We'll want to get a sterile urine sample, but it could be a helpful indicator by keeping tab on your cat's health. Pretty Litter also has microcrystals that absorb the urine and odor, so it's got amazing odor control. Also, it's easy maintenance. All you have to do is scoop the poop. No more clumping. Pretty Litter is delivered straight to your door every month with free shipping, so it's hassle-free and convenient. Go to prettylittercats.com slash ervet and use the promo code ERVET for 20% off your first subscription order. We've been talking with Dr. Ruth McPeat, shelter veterinarian and author about great ways of being able to pet-proof our house when we adopt a new cat or bring a new dog into our household. Now, Dr. McPeat, I understand that you are also an author of a children's book called Lizette the Vet. And I think this is such an awesome book. I happened to get a copy and I read it to my own son who loved it. So I was wondering if you could give us a little bit of background about this book. I know it was encouraged by your own kids to write this book, but what made you want to write this and what's the book about and how do people find how to buy the book? Thanks a lot, Justine. Yes, it's been, Lizette the Vet has been a labor of love. It's something I started about six years ago after reading countless books to my kids. I realized that, you know, there were a lot of books about firemen, about policemen, a lot of different professions, but there really wasn't much about 
what I consider the best profession in the world, veterinary medicine. And there, there just weren't a lot about that. There was a book at the time, Barbie the Vet. And I wanted to give my daughter a taste of, and my son, a taste of veterinary medicine and show kids what veterinarians do and how awesome a job we have. Because again, I think it's the best profession in the world. And I know you would agree with me, Justine. So it's a children's picture book and it's written really for kids that are between four and eight years old. Although I've had some older kids that love it as well. And again, it's about a little girl who wants to be a veterinarian who loves animals. She has all kinds of animals, big and little, furry and feathery, slimy and skinny scaly and she loves animals except one type of animal and I won't give away the plot but when her class gets a pet wouldn't you know it it's that one animal that she doesn't love and when something happens to Fluffy she has to decide whether she can save the day or not and put her fears aside and rise to the occasion as uh, the future veterinarian she is and save the day. Again, it's a picture book really geared for kids that are four to eight and it has lots of animals in it. And again, it's about a little girl who loves animals and wants to be a veterinarian. I absolutely love this book because most people ask me, when did I know I wanted to be a veterinarian? And it was honestly when I was around seven. And if you talk to most veterinarians, that's probably around the age when they really found that passion. And it sounds like you grew up with a lot of pets. What kind of pets did you grow up with? I had a lot of pets. <laughs> yeah, I had cats, dogs, guinea pigs, hamsters, mice, chinchillas, birds, a turtle, a duck. I had a lot of different things and we lived in this, you know, in a suburb, so I couldn't have horses, but I did ride horses. If I could have, I would have had pigs and cows and everything else. So yeah, I, you know, like Lizette just, you know, loved animals and knew I wanted to be a vet, you know, from as early as probably four, just because I had so many animals and I loved going to the vet with my parents and seeing what they did. And I loved helping animals in the neighborhood and everything else. And so I agree with you. I think kids usually know early on. And I think we, you know, there's a lot of books that expose them to, you know, what it's like to be a fireman, to be a policeman. There's books on construction workers, but there's not that much. There's stuff on pilots, but there really just isn't that much fiction books that are picture books that tell kids about being a veterinarian. And so many kids want to be a vet. So for the children or young adults or young teens that are listening to ER Vet, what words of encouragement or advice do you have when it comes to wanting to become a veterinarian? I would tell people to follow your dreams. Don't give up if you're passionate about animals. It is veterinary medicine is the best profession in the world, in my opinion. There's so many different things you can do as a veterinarian. You can write books like you and I, and you can work in small animal medicine. You can work in large animal medicine as a farm veterinarian. You can work in industry. You can work in the government. There's just so many different things you can do. You can work as a zoo veterinarian. It's just an amazing profession. And I would tell people to stick with it, 
get as much experience as you can talk to your, if you have pets, talk to your local veterinarian and ask them about volunteering, uh, volunteer at the shelter. Shelters always need help. See how you can get involved with an animal rescue in your group. And again, just really stick with it because I think the more you get exposed, the more you do things with rescues and shelters and your local vet, the more passionate about it you'll become like yourself, Justine, and me. That's really what happened. I did a lot of volunteer work and just it solidified my desire to be a veterinarian and just furthered my interest in it. So really, really important. And I would encourage parents to encourage their kids to be veterinarians because like I said, it's an amazing profession. If people want to check out my book, it's available on Amazon. LizetteTheVet.com is where they can go to check it out. Thank you so much. Again, definitely check out the book at drruthpetvet.com slash book. And again, available on Amazon under the name Lizette the Vet. Thank you so much, Justine. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about my new book and to share information about cat proofing your house. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Find me at drjustinelee.com, on Facebook at drjustinelee, or email me any of your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time, and we want to give a huge thank you and shout out to Dr. Ruth McPeat and our cool new children's book, Lizette the Vet, and Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.